0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Happy Fun Times, a micropod where I reach out to my friends and try to discuss with them anything that they want, because this podcast is a platform for people to voice their opinions, passions, and concerns. Today I have with me... Catherine Lim. Catherine Lim, who happens to be my college roommate before I got disrupted by the fucking pandemic that is.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: It's been a good solid year and a half, but too bad the corona happened. I know the corona. But yeah, welcome to Happy Fun Times. It is currently 8.48 PM, Wednesday, March 24th, and this is episode 9, I believe. <laughs> the interesting thing about Catherine Lim is that I have never met anybody as freaky and as cool weird as her. Like never in my life because there's so many degrees of weird hers is like i absolutely cannot compare it to anything like nothing on media nothing on like a, a character in a show she just is her true authentic shameless self
1: <laughs> nice to, nice exposing me like
0: that um no but it's a good thing because it ties into Our topic today, which Kat (laughs) suggested to me, and guys, I don't know, she suggested this to me through text message, and I didn't know how to comprehend what I was reading (laughs) on text. I was like, it took me a second to really like cross that in my head and be like, what? (laughs) But today we're going to be talking about...
1: How mukbang can sexually arouse you.
0: <laughs> this is unmatched, you guys. Like, I, I'm. We're, we're basically going to talk about how eating can turn people on, which is um, very weird, which is a very different lens. I've never talked about it before in my life. You know, it's the same thing as like how people
1: have feet fetish, but for some, replaced with food like you know those videos where like this guy was just in love with his car and just made out with it in public and had some weird sexual masturbation going on but you know same thing I think it applies to food because it's so sensual you know you can smell and taste everything
0: you know that is a really I mean that is a really interesting take on it because like food has always served as like an aphrodisiac since like the ancient times when you talk about chocolate and like oysters which I don't fucking understand how oysters can be considered as something to arouse you but it's really interesting when you think about it because like food also has the same hormones that are illicit when you're gambling when you're running or listening to music it's definitely a happy endorphin but. Today, we're going to be talking about the different lenses of how those happy endorphins are being released from both viewer and the eater itself. But first things first, we got to talk about what even is mukbang? Is that how you say it in Korean? Mm -hmm. Mukbang? Mukbang. Mukbang. Yes, there we go. Mukbang. (laughs) See, that's the thing about Korean. I took, I think I took two years, two years? I took two years of Korean, this woman... Being my Korean tutor, and I always say to myself, it's so hard speaking in Korean because my native dialect is Tagalog, and we always use the hard A's and the, the E's, you know, the hard vowels, but in Korean language, it's it's like the soft A's and the E's, and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing right now? I, I feel like I'm speaking in poetry. I'm speaking in cursive. Speaking in Look, cursive. bang yeah. in American is... In Korean!
1: Very gentle, you know? You want to introduce it gently before exposing
0: its hardcore after effects, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like getting off topic. Well, we'll come back. But I remember showing Kat about Jokoi, the the comedian. <laughs> and one oh, of his jokes it. are like, one of his jokes were like, Vietnamese people talk as if they're on cocaine. And Koreans speak as if they're high all the fucking time. Yeah. (laughs) We can't be racist. I'm talking to a Korean person right now. (laughs) No, I showed this to my dad too. He was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is
1: exposing us. It's true though! (laughs) It's true, I'm not gonna lie. It's a a very good comparison, you know? I can't help it, but, you know, to even acknowledge Joe Koi's
0: statement. It's true. So true. It's so true. Um, but anyways, mukbang. <laughs> mukbang. Um, mukbang. So from what I gathered about mukbang, I can't even do it. I'm going to just say mukbang. Mukbang culture is that it first started in South Korea around the 2008 2000- Around the 2009-2010 era and it maintained relatively, you know, mainstream entertainment. And then it head onto the US around maybe like late 2013, really heading there in the 2015 era where people were like, okay, people are doing live streams of eating. Let us filthy Americans add on to that because what do we have? Obesity. (laughs) So it's perfect perfect combination and there's two ways that you can watch a mukbang you can see it as a commentary where people talk about their stories explain how they're eating or what they're eating and what the taste is generally kind of like this like i'm talking to the person in front of the screen type of video and then the other way of seeing it is through ASMR, which is autonomous sensory meridian response, as we all know, in which people get this high-quality microphone and just basically chill like
1: this. is that cringy? Yes. <laughs> exactly like that. Um, just to go back a little bit. So the reason why this um I think happened is because South Korea are very obsessed with being skinny and being underweight and maintaining the skeletal structure that they have to fit in these clothes, to impress other people. And they even have meals that are zero calories. For example, when I went, there was a zero calorie jelly uh, drink in a tube. Um, And they would use that for breakfast, lunch and dinner um but i think the reverse side of that is that people couldn't take it anymore and just decided to purge that's what i think purge but also kind of not show the outside world of you know your body but your skills in that way in some way you can still get praise for not being you know slim type or or the lean muscle type, you know? Just staying home, using that as a source of income, then you have something to back you up when you go to like a family dinner. Oh, hey, I'm a famous YouTuber. I'm earning this, this much amount of money and people love it, you know? So I think maybe that's one of my theories why that happened. But obviously there's like positive and negative aspects to that. And, you know, like the positive side is that you're gaining fame they're gaining new food experience um, but the negative side is there's a lot of body dys- uh, dys- dysphoria dysmorphia dysmorphia, and uh, a lot of people would channel would channel their loneliness and depression through mukbangs and not be able to move on and get on with their daily lives so this article uh, I've read in the past talked about how people who um, love mukbang and watching mukbang are people who tend to find a lot of loneliness you know, especially in korea like when you dine alone it seems a little weird so who kind of put the camera in front of you so that or with a friend you know just not to be alone <laughs> um but yeah i mean Those are some of the positive and negatives and just like the whole theory of the background
0: idea of mukbang. Yeah, that shit's really fascinating because initially we were going on to this topic in a sexual gratification type of lens. But now you're bringing in the different aspect of mukbang in which there is an eating disorder Uh, dysmorphia when it comes to this particular subject because it is really interesting because in korean culture as you've said that koreans are incredibly competitive and it also goes into their dieting regime especially with k-pop singers that have to maintain like a size negative zero to be this public figure and the stakes are even higher because like uh, as we all know from Korean culture, but K-pop is also one of the big economic factors that boosts Korean GDP. However, I do attest that it, there is some level of toxicity when it comes to mukbangs because it really does glorify the fetishization of a woman trying to be um, trying to be shameful and objective and objectified. Because when we grow up, when women are grow up grown up they are taught to like be prim be proper have proper food etiquette but when it comes to mukbangs it's like okay I'm gonna eat more than my 2,000 calorie fill for the day 2,500 calorie fill for the day and it really does emphasize that culture of the cool girl stereotype in which this girl is super slim and yet she has no care in the world about dieting, which is virtually impossible, but that is a common trope that is seen on movies and TV. And the research that I conducted prior to doing this podcast is that there seems to be quantifiable evidence that shows that mukbangs with slim women that are only showing their lips eating has the most overweight male viewers. There is some kind of weird sexualization that comes with it because on one hand the viewer the male if you are male the male is going to think oh this this girl is shameful she's eating so much but i'm also really fascinated by the way of by the way her lips chew on the food and wow she's such a rebel she's going away from the natural culture of healthy eating or like Oh my gosh, it's like I'm almost feeding her. Like she's also my she's also my wifey, which is really weird and disturbing in an almost like foot fetish type of way. <laughs> but yeah, and it's so interesting because when you brought up eating disorders, it also brings up the idea of like mukbangs. You can get $10,000 a month for for eating in front of a camera or doing live streams, but that fame can instantly go away by judgmental people that look at your body so i wouldn't be surprised if most of the time that mukbangs is just this toxic way of purging only for the eater to possibly uh puke out their guts in front of a toilet which is very terrible and there is a good side to mukbangs in terms of like entertainment and be like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. But the terrible side is how does it affect the psyche of the eater and the viewer? Because I think it's just emphasizing eating disorders and sexual gratification.
1: Exactly, um, like you said, the, these viewers are those who seek either social or sexual um, entertainments. Or maybe eating compensations as so the article mentioned but like I can kind of see that because even in porn there's always you know the women are always baked with makeup uh, or something like that and in the mukbang the most important area on your face would be the lips and to over emphasize and outline the color, the moisture, and the look of the lip, and draw in a lot of male or female viewers. And I think from personal experience, not saying that... (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not, Kat. (laughs) But what I've noticed with me, because I am hypersensitive. There has been times where I ate something that was super delicious and somehow some parts of my taste bud had a direct connection to
0: Did it turn you on? Yes it did. Real. <laughs> <laughs> did it turn you on? It did. Okay, I'll I'm going to break the ice here and I'll I'll probably say something that nobody really does mention, but sometimes I too do get turned on by certain foods. But that's solely because solely because I, I'm I have a really strict diet regime. Like I mm-hmm. yeah. don't eat I try not to eat carbs. I do not eat well nowadays I, I'm a pescatarian. And like when I when I eat certain foods on my cheat day, like if I eat like one chip, I like smell it and then I put it in like the tip of my tongue. Like I have a, a whole regime of like where to put it. And then I chew it very slowly and I try not to swallow it too quickly. But during that moment, that's when I'm just kind of like, oh my God, this is the life. I am feeling so good right now. But like never in a way of like, okay, I'm gonna do something after, but more like, ah, I feel like I'm gambling right now. Oh, I know, I felt the exact same way with like, when I first tried um, uni,
1: it's a sea urchin, a raw uni. So um, usually like I would, you know, put in like some soy sauce and wasabi and on top of like white bed rice. Um, (laughs) The creaminess, oh my God, the creaminess. When I first took a bite, my two little nippies went, I'm gonna go out and show myself to the world. And I felt it literally plooping out. And I was a little shocked by that. Um, And I never, I think that was like my first time having this physical reaction to a food it's not like i crave for that sensation all the right. time it just happens coincidentally you know and
0: right.
1: yeah weird i know but there's some weirder people with weirder fetishes. <laughs>
0: Her trying to justify her trying to justify her cause. <laughs> but I also think that it's an unspoken dialogue that everybody has in which food really does serve as a aphrodisiac and it doesn't have to be like chocolate or, or sea oysters, but just like really delicious food. And you and I have experienced that when we used to go to fucking Mr. Noodle in Brentwood, (laughs) which, fun fact, is where Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was filmed, particularly Margot Robbie's scene going up to the theater, the same theater that Kat and I watched Avengers Endgame in, in Um, our, I think, junior year of college. And are we... No, yeah. Junior Uh, or... or, I think it was sophomore. Sophomore, sophomore, I think. This pandemic is like making my mind lose track of <laughs> of my I, life. Yeah, same, same. But yeah, I think it was sophomore because I know junior year was... All I
1: can remember is um, the fire, the fire, and the hotel, and oh, <laughs> that's all I can remember.
0: Yeah, it was... Um, what even is this junior year, to be honest? It's a little blank oh, in my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I don't even know what... Like, level i am in school anywho but yeah so catherine and i we used to go to this place called mr noodle if not mr noodle we go to the sushi place called ami and we're known as regulars by the waiters and waitresses and the chefs but Mm -hmm. i remember eating this like noodle before my diet this like delicious like dry noodle and i've never tasted it before but man the minute I put it in my mouth, I was like, "This is umami. This is so good." And I remember, like, my eyes just like <laughs> not doing that <laughs> that stupid thing, you know? When you're like turned on, like, I'll admit it. I was like, it was happening, you guys, and it was in public. I had no shame. I'll admit it. Please hire me, and don't back. <laughs> Please don't deny. Please don't deny me of this job, Mister Background Check Person. That's checking this out, but. Like, my eyes were, like, closed, and I was, like, breathing, and I was like, oh my god, Kat, this shit's so good.
1: I did the exact same thing with my Thai boat noodles. I <laughs> I slurped that thing to the end. It was so good. Oh my god, I can still taste it, but that's another case of when NFBs wanted to be present in the world, um, you know, and... I was enjoying it so much I ordered it every single time and I went there with Gian
0: <laughs> gian and Fabi and Karina. Oh, yeah. But no, with, with Karina you had Pad C.U. Yeah, yeah. And oh, Daniel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it really is uh, uncommon dialogue in terms of like everybody does get a certain high when it comes to eating good food but it seems like with People who watch mukbangs, there seems to be, I think, a combination of environmental and genetic factors that come into play with their sexual gratification of seeing women and men and non-binary people eat. So, um, and it's kind of unfortunate because with most fetishes, including foot fetishes, it really is the organization of your brain.
1: It is, and neurologically, neurologically. The foot fetish is right beneath the sensory, one of the sensory neurons, I believe, um, which is why some people, because they're closely placed um, next to each other, uh, that they have foot fetishes. I know someone does. (laughs) (laughs) And I was a little questionable. I thought, it was a joke, but it was very serious and there are people out there using OnlyFans and whatnot, porn or whatever, to take pictures or take videos of their feet. Um, I don't find the whole- I don't, I don't find why it turns you on, but then again, if we're talking about it uh, scientifically, I know why. They, like it but i can't really i mean besides that like i have no idea what the function of a foot can do to please you or arouse you
0: yeah. yeah you know you know i don't understand it either because i have i had a i well i still consider him a friend but i have a friend whose girlfriend at the time does have a foot fetish and her f- reason for fetish her her reason for this fetish is that she likes to be like in control so she'd use it during intercourse hers and his but i guess there's various degrees of foot fetishes because in my eyes i think oh my god that is so uncomfortable i would not get turned on by like using a foot to to sexually gratify my partner but i i understand that most people have a degree of foot fetish and but not in the way where it's used for sex but in the idea of like when somebody's barefoot and they're comfortable and they're just walking all around the house and it's like that feeling of like oh my gosh this person is so comfortable to be around me it, it's kind of nice to see that oh the person that I love is super relaxed yeah <clears throat> I don't
1: think I've met many Just know one person who does half a fetish but um, (laughs) besides besides that um uh, (laughs) i mean uh, you know what it's fine but like don't press in for more photos or more videos because that's just crossing the line man gotta gotta back off (laughs) um oh yeah i mean i mean i want to bring it back to the mukbang and the whole sexual arousing because i think uh because people are you no know, i don't know for those who are very sensitive with food um and sensitive overall may see mukbangs as their own porn porn videos i feel like because they give off a, the similar structure also in a very different uh non actually yeah exact same structure it's exactly the same thing just a lot of food just a lot of slurping just a lot of uh crunchy stuff but um yeah i think that's one of the reasons why people are you know aroused by that because it serves uh, was the same thing as what a a regular porn, quote-unquote, shows to the public domain. I find it so strange how so many people take on the challenge to start a mukbang video and end up, uh, you know, reaching for thousands, maybe millions of subscribers and viewers. And there's also food BDSM. I don't know if you've heard of that.
0: I have never heard of that, but tell me. I'm not interested, but tell me. It sounds honey, so fascinating. Honey, let me show, let me tell you, there's this Korean woman.
1: <laughs> there's this Korean woman. Uh, she uses a lot of uh, dog leashes and whips and uh, other mechanical things you use in a Grey's, not Grey's Anatomy, what's that thing called? Gray. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades of Grey. So, you know, the, the, the red room. A lot of the tools in the red rooms are used on food and are filmed. And I didn't really understand the, what the thought was behind this, but it seems like the way she explained it is that she absolutely loves food. torn into pieces. Um, Likes it being in complete structure, but also dismantled. Um, but she uses the extra, extra source of of entertainment and uh, interest, with food. And I saw one of her videos of fruits being slashed, um, whipped, and not that this was this was re- not recommended. This was just on my YouTube page. This was YouTube! Completely... <laughs> yes, I think it was YouTube. Maybe it was something else, but I don't know. It was just there, and I, I was a little curious. Being the curious cat I am, I just wanted to see what the hell this was about. So yeah, I saw all of that, and I kind of backed away, and just kind of left it there. Never really brought it up to anyone, but you know, I'm bringing it up right now. First time for everyone, so... People, there are such thing as uh, food BDSM's. Period. Period. <laughs>
0: uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. <laughs> uh First of all, what do you watch for that to be recommended on your YouTube? <laughs> Second,
1: Ian, shut yeah. up,
0: I believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I... That's interesting, no, though. No, listen, listen. Listen, Linda. Listen.
1: Okay, so what I watch is just a lot of Korean TV shows that you know, like celebrities go around like food places and rated and, and and watch. I also watch BuzzFeed food um, blogs and everything, and then some individual mukbangers, m- mukbangers um, who, yeah, who who introduce like new stuff. But you know. YouTube does its thing. It runs its algorithm, and it's like maybe this girl would be interested in food BDSM, you know. Uh, so, I, I blame my curiosity, you know, because my curiosity cannot be—it's it, cannot be satisfied unless I head towards the dangerous arena or the unknown. So I went there, Kean. I went there and I clicked the button and I watched straight 30 minutes
0: of it. <laughs> and this is why Kat is my roommate slash friend. You can't get this anywhere else, you guys. Like, she's amazing. But I want to ask you about the BDSM. So is it the person, like, cutting fruits and, like, whipping it? Like spanking it and stuff. Exactly, and you know, uh, papayas. You know, oh,
1: gouge. Yes, you can gouge out all the black balls inside, and you know, make slippery sounds and whatnot. Um,
0: Oh, so so basically, basically, it's a person fingering a fruit,
1: Uh, and everything else. Like, but but but. Just, just gonna let you know, this person does not use her or anyone else's genitalia to oh my do God. these BDSMs. just want to put that out there and make that clear, they don't use any of that, only only um, hands, uh, dog leashes, uh, whips, uh, I don't know what else is there, some, some mechanical stuff, red room, you know, whatever that is. Uh-
0: <laughs> Come to my playroom, you mean your Xbox and stuff? <laughs> now that we're heading into that topic of like how food can also be used as foreplay and fetishization not just for the eating pleasure but the using pleasure of it do you remember the grapefruit challenge what mama mama
1: if y'all don't know what what the
0: grapefruit challenge is where were you in 2010
1: I okay, was so crying
0: then. in my Korean academy. <laughs> Why? <laughs> basically, the grapefruit challenge is this. It was patented by this woman. She. I don't even know how to say this, but basically she used a the ring of a grapefruit cut through, right? And it's used as a way to put it on the on the dick. So you know how like. This is softcore porn warning. You know how when you give a person a handjob, you go up and down, right? So essentially, you're doing the same thing, but holding on to the grapefruit, which is on the shaft of the dick. And as you go on, you're like eating the dick out. And apparently using grapefruits and other fruits, as she continued to advocate for it, (laughs) apparently it gave more sexual gratification to the receiver rather than the giver because it was weird it was the use of food in a in a weird sexual way which is not very much used <laughs> as it should be because food is supposed to be eaten but and the it was just this weird kinky thing that hit mass media and it became like a challenge so There were people out there that were actually trying it out, and some people were saying that was so weird, we'll never do it again. And then other people were like, my mind is blown. This is like LSD for my dick. It was weird. Oh,
1: (laughs) interesting. That probably explains why people use the eggplant emojis.
0: No, because the eggplant emoji is supposed to be the dick, and the peach emoji is supposed to be the vaj. A common, common oh, emoji slang. Just, sling. just <laughs> something I've heard uh, from
1: people. I would like to say uh, that it has been used. Has been used. Period. It has been used in the way that you think. It has been used.
0: Yeah, you're you're in dangerous territory if you're on Tinder and this guy sends you an eggplant emoji with the water squirt. You're in dangerous territory. You got to get out of there quick. Fuck. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, However, now we're getting into that full circle of like, okay, it seems like food has always been used to as a kinky sexual gratification type of object, but it really did reach its high points when mukbang culture became a thing. And to this day, people are continuing doing mukbangs, but... Now I want to talk about emphasizing the toxicity about using mukbangs as sexual gratification because as Catherine told me many many times prior, but when people use porn too much, it kind of diminishes their ability to have sexual relations with an actual live person. And it turns out with the research that I conducted, and I can put the article in the description, um it turns out the same thing with mukbangs. There's oh, no yeah. other thing that will turn these people uh, on other than the use of their mouth and actual edible food.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um definitely it is it is a webs it is a platform for entertainment, but also because people can customize, quote unquote, what they want to look for and what they would like to see and what they would like to experience. I think the thrill of having something out of the norm is what makes them stick to porn so much, you know, and you said for people who have sexual arousing. with mukbang um, it's the same thing because like you said using their own body or having or being next to someone who's actually doing the mukbang it can kind of give like an alarm um, to the brain and to the body to react in a certain way so just imagine like people who have watched porn and let's say, watched a lot of foot fetish videos, you know, imagine applying that same thing into mukbang where, I don't know, let's say for some reason people decided, a mukbang person decided to pick up chopsticks to pick up a sushi to put in their mouth, you know, that can be, you know, best of the both worlds for that person right Um, so it's a very interesting thing to know but i feel like what drives us to getting that point getting to that point is just curiosity and exploring the unknown um yeah and it's not just trying to stay like out of the, the conventional like oh you know Porn. It's supposed to be a guy having sex with a girl, nothing else, nothing else used. It, that should give you an arousal. But, you know, throughout time, people are going to get bored, you know, I assume. So they try to implement other activities, other uh, sensational or mechanical products to make it more exciting in the bedroom, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point because if there is one thing that generally we all know when it comes to porn is that there's hardcore and softcore and most porn that was created back in the day is called gonzo porn and gonzo porn is essentially porn to married couples and it's supposed to be this romantic you know regular type of sex where it's like the beautiful sunlight is drenching on our bodies and it's soft and slow very vanilla And then hardcore porn is like deep, deep web, where it's like anything is a possibility. Literally put up like a random noun and then you'll find something on the internet for that. But, and that's the thing, when it comes to food porn, it's, you're trying to display this type of counterculture where you're rebelling with the standard norms, which is really a construction, might I add. But these people are trying to, kind of go away those norms and be like oh my god this is exhilarating I feel so much adrenaline doing this I feel the most turned on and you know that's great it's not bad to explore your sexuality and you know how far it can go as long as it's in a safe way and you know I can't say that mukbang is most of the time a terrible thing but if it's not properly controlled or not properly if the person is not aware of like this is the route that they're going that they may be getting too sexually aroused by watching a stranger eat in front of a camera it could have some cataclysmic effects to their personal rel- personal social and romantic life in the future and it's only going to further develop but i will say this sometimes you know once you know what is happening there are steps to kind of get yourself away from that mentality so you can actually be a person that does engage in safe romantic relationships. But most of the time, once you're in it, you might not ever get out.
1: Yeah, uh, that's why there are sex therapists. And I know someone who will be pursuing that career and knowing just like a gist of what they do um, and the use of psychology behind it, to not actually take away the obsessive activity they use for themselves uh, sexually rather instead integrate it into the life uh, you're sharing with your beloved or your spouse your partner and gradually like stray away from it by introducing that extra activity that you have been so obsessive with with your partner so in that way it's kind of like the same thing as like you know you can't tell a person to stop smoking all of a sudden they're gonna have a relapse they're gonna have withdrawals they need to slowly get there use it in moderation maybe instead of five packs a day it's reduced to three packs a day but you kind of spread it out throughout the week so in the same way yeah there's a lot of danger that it entails for. Mo- hungers um because i recently there was a news of this woman who filmed her mukbang but ended up in the hospital because Mm -hmm. her stomach yeah her stomach was enlarged it was (gasps) stretched it was stretched so badly she had to go to the hospital and get that checked out and the fact that that had to be on the news is telling you something like of course there's like peer pressure of like, oh, do more mukbangs, do more of this, do more of that, you know, and that person might, the the YouTuber might, you know, fall into that, and be like, okay, I'm pressured to do this, but I also need to make income. Uh, I also want to appeal to these people, so I should do it. So falling into those peer pressures can also, you know, re- uh, you know reduce to like self-damage, self-physical damage. Um, yeah. And that's a pretty scary thing unless... Unless you have a secure practice, a way to stretch your stomach little by little. For example, eating a lot of cabbages before you enter like a, a food eating contest is a best way to stretch your uh, stomach so that it leaves a lot of room, but because it's vegetable, everything flushes out pretty easily. So the more you stuff in, the more it comes out, the more um, bigger your stomach gets.
0: Right. So, yeah. That is so unfortunate because it's like she is self-sabotaging herself in an effort to be appealing to the masses, but also generate a stable income. Because, you know, these people are rewarded to overly obsessively eat in front of a camera. And it's not like, as we all know, it's not just little meals, but it's literally like a whole table full of fattening food even overemphasized with fucking noodles. Noodles a fucking carb. I get full off of ramen back in the day. Back in the day. Two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really unfortunate because like it came to the point where the rewards mean the deficit of her health. And was she is she an American? No, she's actually Asian. I think she was Chin
1: I think she's Chinese. So but she's I'm from China?
0: Sure.
1: Like in China? I believe, when this happened? Believe I believe so. This this showed up I think like 2 weeks ago or a week ago. Um but yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I was because like it would be interesting if like she was American and she did this in America because, like, as we all know, our healthcare system is not very good. So, if you sabotage yourself like that, it could have some really bad tolls with your finances if you do not have the proper healthcare insurance. And obviously, it really does depend on the state, but I'm going far away. However, I'm bringing it back, but that is really unfortunate because, again, society not even society but like popular culture is emphasizing that if you do these stupid reckless things you will be rewarded and is that something good it's not good not good at all
1: definitely not but at the end of the day it's on you it's up to you so whether you actually listen to your peers saying that it might not be a good idea because of x y and z Keep it in your head, keep it in your mind. But at the end of the day, you call the shots, you know. And it's it's unfortunate that people are succumb to this um, when they disregard all the warnings. I know someone. I don't know if you heard of Stephanie Sue. Oh yeah. uh, So she actually practices uh, an ethical and moral way to. No, film her mukbangs, she tells stories, like scary stories, uh, mystery unsolved stories while eating mukbang. And the more you exert your energy of of talking, right? The more, the faster you can digest your food. Um, But even if she doesn't finish her food, at least she entertained the viewers with the stories, but also eating the food. So I found her mukbang videos uh, easier to watch than other videos where you know people were called for called out for ma- using a fisheye camera to enlarge their their food portions, and people were like, "Oh my God, you're you're fake. You're not doing it properly. Even though you're eating it, you're not eating it the same or at, in this certain amount of time." You know, there was a lot of backlashes with that too. But um, people like Stephanie Sue, I don't know, I forget. It's been a long time, but I. Uh, The way I saw it and the way I remember it is that she doesn't really care for that. She just wants to be there to entertain audience, but also to satisfy her hunger, you know, and her entertainment purposes.
0: Nah, nah, shit. That's cool. That's cool. Um, What's interesting is that while you emphasize that there are people, YouTubers, that do it in a proper manner, which is 100% amazing. In contrast, there's also people like what's his face again? Nikocado Avocado. Do you know who that is? <laughs> Fuck, I've <have> never <laughs> heard of that. Nikocado Avocado. See, okay, literally when this ends, look his name up and watch his YouTube videos because he is This is a this is a guy that had done mukbangs for like I think more than 4 years. And you can see his weight quadruple over the years, and it all his eating really definitely fucked with his mentality because now he's like he's reverting to a child as he continues to eat like unhealthy food, and he's just not a pleasurable person because you can see that he has you know, he's really addicted to binge eating. He doesn't really care about his personal health. And overall, it's really taking a toll on his mental health in which he's becoming a literal man-child. And, like, he eats with his partner and his partner is so, like, dissatisfied with him already. And the problem was, like, if he knows that he's going through something terrible, why is he filming it? Obviously, it's because he's getting praise and views and attention from people. But also, he's getting cash money for doing this stuff so it's yeah. it's a really wild culture. It really depends on the person,
1: yeah, and that's why I think the power of social media and the power of compliments are very dangerous because if you let those compliments override your ego, you're, you're completely done for because you're already in that mental state of keeping it going and to get more compliments you got to do more you got to do extra you got to do the impossible you know and that's kind of unfortunate so i think it's because this mukbang culture has become you know enlarged and been spread out globally there should be there should be some kind of um, integration or some kind of webinars or seminars regarding this mukbang because you know nowadays like anything can be considered a job you know might as well Give, like the safety instructions for you know becoming or if you want to be in that mukbang uh, culture
0: no that's actually a really interesting point because it's like there are, are there are articles out there where it's like okay now we have to do policing for these people and it's like obviously no you don't have to go to the great extremes to regulate mukbangs mukbangs but I think now that it's become mainstream popular culture and more and more people are getting into that particular industry and other big giant companies are promoting the idea of like, oh, if you eat in front of a camera, you will be rewarded because you're giving us some clout. There should be some sort of guidelines or protocols when it comes to recruiting people, you know, and and not even just recruiting people, but like a general general moral consensus of like, hey, you know, beware, this might happen. So watch out. Yeah, that's how scary
1: um, knowledge can be, because it can really turn on the switch of uh, I don't know, aggressive mode, and just disregarding all of the red flags that are around you, you know?
0: Yeah, that really does bring interesting ideas, Kat, but as always, we have reached the 45-minute mark, and I want to say thank you so much for being a part of my podcast and talking about this really interesting issue i didn't even think it was an issue until now at this point the more we learn because like once you when you brought up to me like okay how does food become porn i'm like huh what the fuck but now that we talked about i was like food has always been part of the pornography stance since the beginning of time if it wasn't then why are there things called nude sushi eating or you know drinking tequila by licking off the salt off of a woman's stomach you know like those frat party traditions it's always been there and it's always been present obviously but now it's reached this climatic climactic thing and now it's become evolving issues it's evolving there we go it's
1: evolving yep yeah so thank you for actually um this with me because i've never really actually verbally discussed this with anyone besides uh with my cousin patrick <laughs> shout out to
0: patrick
1: <laughs> shout out to patrick he's the one who um you know suggested to uh, for me to talk about this because it's pretty rare and i don't honestly i didn't think this would be uh, a topic that anyone would be interested in it's such such an out-of-the-blue topic, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's really fun uh, talking about it with you and reconnecting.
0: Yeah, I love you, Kat. Uh Guys, like, this girl's amazing. Bridesmaid. Psychology major. That's why I keep her around so she can psychoanalyze me all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm kidding. I genuinely for, love you. That's for another day, hon. <laughs> but same. And on that note... This is happy fun times. And as always, be kind to yourself. Don't be no fool. And thank you. Any last words? May you leave with a
1: gustator palette. The fuck? Love it. <laughs> okay. There we go. All right. See you guys. Later. See ya. Yes, yeah. Later.